0: chapter 12. If you want to go ahead and start turning your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, verse 41 is where we're going to start at. Mark chapter 12. We'll be reading out of the ESV. You can read with us or follow along on the screen. chapter 12 verse 41 (coughs) talking about Jesus it says and he sat down opposite of the treasury and he watched the people putting money into the offering box many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which makes a penny And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box for they are. They all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this morning. God, I thank you this morning that as we worship you, God, we acknowledge that you are a good giver to us. God, that you have given to us in ways that we don't deserve. God, the ways that we haven't earned. And Father, in that, I pray that we would see our calling and our discipline to be givers. Giving to those around us, Lord, giving to your work, giving to what you have for us. Father God, I pray we would lay... God, ourselves at your feet this morning. God, anything we've come in with, our struggles, our disappointments, our doubts, our fears, whatever it might be, God, I pray we lay those at the feet of the cross this morning. God, we would just be open and ready to receive what it is that you have for us in your word. God, we're just broken people desperately seeking after you. Lord, And I pray this morning that you would just show us what it is that you have for us today. God, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Church, this morning we'll continue our study called The Way We Walk, and we're in the last week of our focus on how we walk with others and talking about how we walk with each other as a church. And, uh, you know, as you can hear from the way that, I, way that I've talked, the, the discipline, the spiritual discipline that we're talking about today is the spiritual di- discipline of giving. You know, and immediately we flinch anytime we talk about giving, uh, because then we think shortly after that we're going to pass the offering plate and see uh, and, and try to guilt you into giving to the church or whatever that might be. But listen, uh, I pray this morning that as we approach the spiritual discipline of giving, that we would, for one, see what God has called us to, and then secondly, see what it is that specifically that God has called us to as we give. You know, uh, uh, back in 2019, we preached when we were preaching through kind of what the church is, we had a message on giving. You can go back to our uh, podcast and kind of listen to that uh, to get a little bit of a different take. I want to approach it from a little bit different way today as we talk about the idea of giving, what God has called us into. Because, you know, as we've talked about with all these spiritual disciplines, and now we're talking about the third and final of our spiritual disciplines as we walk with each other as Christians within the context of the local faith family, is all of these disciplines are disciplines that aren't natural to us. You know, the idea of being a giver, the idea of giving in any capacity, and I'm not only talking about monetary giving, I'm talking about giving of ourselves emotionally. I'm talking about giving of our time, giving of our resources, giving of moments, you know. And so when we're talking about being givers, you know, projecting something outside of ourselves, whether it's attention, whether it's resources, whether it's our talents, whatever that might be, that this state of giving, like all our other spiritual disciplines, they are not natural for us. Um, I mean, anybody who has had kids, and we talked about this before, you can learn immediately that we don't naturally come born into being givers. We are naturally takers. We are storers. We are keepers. We are not naturally givers. And for us, especially as we get older and as we become adults and we actually have something to give out, right, we finally to some sense have something that we can give out, that a lot of what keeps us from giving in any capacity is fear, Right? It's fear of unknowns, it's fear of unexpected, it's fear of missing out on something that if we don't have the financial capacity or the time to do, then we might miss something that's going on. The biblical narrative is very clear that believers are called to be givers, that God has called us to be givers in all capacities. Remember, and we're looking through this through the lens, I'm not only talking about money. So don't limit, don't debase this just to money, because as Christians we can give so much more than just that. Even though that is part of what we give, it is not the only thing we have to give. You know, even in the context of a relationship, we have so much more to give to our spouse than just our resources, right? We have our attention. We have our love. We have our concern. We have all that we have within us and our being is to give to each other. And even within the context of the church, even all the things we've talked to up to this point, we're talking about fellowship. And, and worship together. We have those things to in interject together. And so, you know, the Bible very clearly calls us to this posture of giving. Ephesians uh, 4, 28. Uh, in, this, in this section of Ephesians, Paul is talking about the new life. And he says here in Ephesians 28, as he's kind of listing out these things that are representative of a new life, he says that let the thief, talking about us before new life, he says let the thief, who is a taker, not steal, no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. This is, if you look in your... I mean, mine breaks things down into chapters. I mean, with uh, subt- uh, subtitles, it says the new life in that section in Ephesians 4. Mark 12, 17, right before this, Jesus is talking. He says, Jesus said to them, the, He said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. He says, listen, give to what is expected of you, what is expected of you, of your governmental system. And for him, he's talking about a system of government that was even oppressing the people of God at this time. So he says, look, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But then he also very, very quickly says, but also give to God in the same obligation, in the same respect, give to God what is God's. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God the things that are God's. In church, we know that everything is God's. And so when we're called to be givers, he's talking about giving not just of our finances. You know, uh, Caesar needs our finances. Caesar needs our taxes. Caesar needs some of those things. But God, he says, give to God what is God's. So it's not just money. Mark 12 30, he says, and you shall, speaking more of what we give as believers. Mark 12, 30, right before this, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And this word love is that agape love. This is a love that chooses to love. So this is a giving love. He says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. As a a, a characteristic of Christians, we are givers. We are called to be givers, people of giving. The Bible mentions giving in some capacity, 2,170 times. 2,170 times. God is shaping His people to be open-handed givers. And when I say open-handed, I'll say it a couple more times today. I'm saying that we're ready to receive, but all of those things we receive, we're ready to let go of also. Because too often, we navigate life as clenched, Receivers, right? We don't want to let go of what we have. We don't want to let go of our time. We don't want to let go of our pride. We don't want to let go of our resources. We don't want to re- let go of our finances when we see someone in need, when we see an opportunity to serve, when we see an opportunity to give within the context of the church. We clench those things to us because, like we talked about before, we're afraid of unknowns. We're, we're better stores. We're better keepers. We're better takers than we are givers. But God is shaping His people to be open-handed givers. God's kingdom is a giving kingdom. And Jesus has set a pattern and a perspective for us to see what it means to be givers. And so that's what I want us to see this morning. And I want us to see two things this morning that I believe the Bible is kind of shifting us to and wanting to draw us in as we navigate the spiritual discipline of giving in our life. The first thing is this, that, that the Bible sets for us a giving pattern. It sets for us a giving pattern. And we see in uh, in Mark chapter 12 verse 41 it says and he talking about Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. And so the first thing within that that I want us to see is that Jesus observed their giving and through that shows attention to giving, importance of giving, and also that he is teaching and he teaches and leads us to be givers. We see God. We see God doing this. And we see Jesus in this moment giving attention to these very moments. And all throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus teaching in ways of, of showing of giving of time, giving of talent, giving of time, giving of, time, giving of, time, giving of resources, giving of, 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 of outside of ourselves. And we know that he led in this way because even earlier in Mark, he would say this in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for man. Our Savior was a giver. His kingdom that He is cultivating on earth is a giving kingdom. And His people are called to be givers. And Jesus sets a pattern for that, not only by giving it attention, but also leading in that capacity of being a giver. You know, in in Romans chapter 12, it uses uh, a, a word, contributes. It says in Romans 12, 8, it says, The one who exhorts in his exhortation... The one who contributes in His generosity. Talking about these aspects of a believer and in our contributions in generosity. Because God Himself was a giver in that sense. You know, in Jesus Christ. And what Jesus gave is He gave healing. He gave comfort. He gave resources. He gave attention. And ultimately, He gave new life in Himself. And that we can know that kingdom currency is seen in what we give, not in what we keep. Do we, I pray that we can understand that, truly understand that, that kingdom currency, what God sees as valuable, what God sees as something worth investing in, is not what we've kept, but what we've given away. Not what we've kept to ourselves, but actively given to the work of God's kingdom around us. And this word contributes, which would even be later, uh, shown later on down in Mark 12, it means to give or to share, meeting another's needs. Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. And so remember, we're talking about giving. Yes, we're talking. The church has created a space where we can give. You know, and and, and like I said, I'm not going to talk specifics on how much we give and all that. There's a lot of different uh, ideas and and thoughts on that. And we may talk about that a little bit later on. But, you know, when God has called us to give, whether it's our finances. You know, I'm not going to tell you that, that if you give financially, that God is going to just give you and pour the prosperity. That if you give and you are faithful to giving, that, that you will just be rich. I'm not going to tell you that. Because I don't believe that's what the Bible tells us. But I do believe that God blesses a giver. In many more ways than just monetary. And so when God calls us to practice the discipline of, of giving of our finances to the work of the church or to ministry or whatever that looks like, that I believe God blesses in the midst of that. And not only that, even if we shift away from monetary giving, if we think of momentary giving, I believe with all my heart that God blesses the giver as they give moment. We just think even as simply, like we talked about earlier, in the context of a family with a spouse, with a relationship, with our children. If we are giving of ourselves, of our time, giving away, not expecting, but giving away, God will bless, God will build, God will cultivate, God will multiply, God will disciple, God will do work when we are willing to be givers. But too often that's not our natural state, our natural state is keepers. We want our time. We want our finances. We want our resources. We want what makes us comfortable. But God is drawing us to be givers because Jesus has set this pattern for us. Even in Proverbs 21, 26, He says, All the day long He craves and craves, but the righteous, talking about the wicked, all the day long He craves and craves, but the the righteous gives and does not hold back. You know, I love that. It doesn't necessarily compare the craving, but it shows what one does and what the other one doesn't do. One is just sitting around craving while the other one is giving. And not only just giving, but giving and giving and giving. Church, because giving is a demonstration of God's character and it flows from His people. And that is the pattern that Jesus has set for us through the entire New Testament. That's the pattern that God has set for us from the very beginning. I just And I always go back to Genesis chapter 3. I just love so much that story because it's such a, it's such a mind-blowing moment when... Man and woman standing in the garden have sinned against a holy God and and, and done the very thing that He said would bring about death. And God steps into that space and what does He do? He gives to them. He gives them clothing. Even though He cast them out of the garden, He gives them purpose. He gives them direction. He even gives them prophecy that says eventually the, the Son of Man will come and crush the head of the snake. He gives them hope. God from the very beginning of time has been a giver. And He has patterned His people to be the same. Not only has He given us a pattern, but then the second thing this morning is that He has given, he has given us through His Word a giving perspective. A giving perspective. Because I, I believe that the, what affects our giving, whether it's monetary giving within the church, whether it's giving to people around us in need, whether it's giving of our time to servanthood or whatever it might be, it is our perspective, not typically on the thing that we're doing or what we're giving towards, but maybe within ourselves of what we have to give. You know, and that's why I love this story so much. You know, and he says in, 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 in um, Mark chapter 12, verse 44, I love how clear he makes it who this person is. Twice he says, a poor widow. In verse 44, he says it again. I mean, in verse 43, sorry, a poor widow. You know, these two words together really are the lowest of low in this culture. Not only was she poor, kind of on the lower end of the social spectrum, but also she was a widow. You know, and in this time, a woman had very little rights. They had very little opportunity to do anything on their own. And so not only did she not have anything, but she was also alone. She also had no one to take care of her. She also had no one fighting for her. She also had no one on her side. She had every right to push back against everything and to be on her own and to not give towards anything. And I love the idea. you know. And then, So for her, being the lowest class of person, probably second only to children, because in this culture, children were just really nothing. Unless they were a male, they were a little more important. But then not only was her social status so low... But the mouth that she gave says two small copper coins. and other translations may say this a little differently. But to just give us an idea of what this would be. It, uh, this was one sixty-fourth of a denarius. And a denarius was worth, in that time, a day's labor. A whole day's labor. That one of these was a whole day's labor. And she gave one sixty-fourth of that. And this word can also be translated as a tiny thing. Or another way it can be said is a crumb. So literally what she gave was the equivalent of a crumb. I don't know about you, but I don't get full off crumbs. You know, I don't see a lot of value in crumbs. I don't feed my kids crumbs. I may may feed them leftovers. But I don't feed them crumbs because there's typically very little value in that. But I love what she shows us here is really in giving and incapacity, our only limitation in giving is ourselves. Our only limitation to giving, whether it's monetary, momentary, resources, time, whatever it is, our only limitations to giving is ourselves. Because I even think about this, she is at the synagogue, at the church, the place where they would meet to read the Torah, to read the the scripture. A place that she, and I'm, I'm, Totally just guessing here. Probably a place because she's alone. She doesn't have that male authority within her. the context leading her into these spaces. She probably would have had every right to even feel like an outsider. To even feel like she didn't have a place. Even felt neglected to some sense. Because even before this, earlier on in Mark, it talks about the scribes and the Pharisees. The very religious people that would have ran this establishment took from people, they were taking from people. They were taxing people that had that were like this woman. And so, not only that, not only had she been done wrong by this establishment, she had an understanding and a, and a faith far beyond mine at times. That saw, she said, "You know what? Even though this place has done me wrong, even though this place is not a great representation of God, God has called me to something bigger than this, and I have faith." That God will use what little I have to do something great with it. Our only limitations to giving is ourselves. Our only limitations to serving is ourselves. We think to ourselves, well, I don't really have the time. I don't really have the resources. I don't really have the abilities to do what it is God has me to do. Listen, if we have just a crumb to offer, that's good enough for God's kingdom. It's that willingness to step out and to give. You know, and we've talked about this and, you know, whether it comes to monetary giving, you know, 10% has always been kind of a standard and some people use that as a standard and that's great. But I've always said in the way that we've always taught in giving is look, start somewhere. Maybe it's a crumb. Maybe it's a, for two copper coins. Maybe it's a penny. Maybe it's something small. But it's establishing these rhythms of faith in our life to allow God to use us. But when we enter into this space and we don't believe we have anything to offer God, is the moment we begin to limit ourselves. Church, the, this idea of poverty... You know, and I'm not only talking about monetary poverty, but I'm talking about momentary poverty, poverty, poverty over time. Poverty is a mindset the enemy is telling us we have nothing to offer. It is a a mindset that tells us we have nothing to offer. It's a poverty perspective. And the kingdom of God is not that. Because what God has given he says he's given us everything for life and godliness. He's given us what we need to participate in the giving. He has given it to us. And and what I love about this is that what God is showing us through this story is that God sees more than the portion, but He sees the proportion and the condition of the heart. He is more interested in how we give rather than how much we give. Because listen, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were giving. They were giving lots, lots, and lots. And they were standing around lined up at this box, making sure everyone knew it too. Very proud of what they were giving. But what does Jesus say? He brings his disciples in for an awesome teaching moment. He says, listen, this woman has given more than them." And I know in their minds they had to be thinking, how could she have given more? She gave basically a crumbs worth. Jesus says it's not about how much we give, but it's about how we give. It's the heart, the, the intentions behind why we give. You know, and I can just see so much of that relate to us in our lives as we navigate uh, day-to-day life, as we navigate giving, as we navigate uh, even relationships. That you know what? A lot of times we think, well, I can't give to this relationship just because I don't have anything to give in. it. I'm just spent. I'm just empty. I'm just, I, I don't have the ability. I'm just, you know, I don't have anything good to give. But I love that, you know, and I feel like God's even shown me in my relationship Man, just start small. Just give anything that you have. Anything. Because there's a lot of times that we can feel like, man, I've just screwed up. I've just failed. I have nothing good to give. But man, God brings us back and He says, listen, if it's just crumbs, it's good enough. Our finances as we give to the work and, the, and, and the, the, the 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 movement of God's kingdom within the local church. The reason we have offering boxes. The reason we pass, which we don't pass plates. But the reason that those things are done. And I'm not saying they've always been done right or taught right. But the reason that's done is to create a space where those things can be used for the work of God's kingdom. Church, the spirit of giving determines the value of the gift more than the amount. And what God has called us to do is to be faithful, givers. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. A lot of people use that as an excuse not to give, whether it's money or time. We A lot of times, well, I'm not cheerful about it, so I don't want to give. Listen, if we're not cheerful about giving, it's not a problem with what we're giving towards, it's a problem with our hearts. Because God has called us to be givers. If we're making excuses not to give up our time or not to give up our finances to the local church or to people around us in need, then we have a problem with our heart, not a problem with the process. And that is what God is bringing us into. God has divinely enabled us to be givers. He has divinely enabled us to be generous and joyful and sacrificial to the Lord in the work of ministry with our giving of our time and our talents. He has given us that opportunity. Otherwise, without God, the spirit of God within us that is a giving spirit, we would not be able to give with this heart. But God has given us the ability to give cheerfully. And continuing on in verse 44, he says, they contributed, they shared out of their abundance. She out of her poverty. Three things within this that I want us to see. The first thing is that giving what costs us builds faith. Giving what costs us builds faith. This word abundance, it means surplus, excess, or even can be translated unnecessary. So really you could say that they gave, they contributed out of what was unnecessary for them. Church, giving from our excess is not sacrifice. It is a comfortable gift. But does that really make it a gift? Does that really make it giving if we give from what is this word that they used unnecessary for their life? They had plenty. There was no sacrifice. And when it talks about poverty, this is a state of want of want or need. And so what it's bringing us into is this idea that to give what costs us builds faith. And one of my favorite stories is in 2 Samuel 24, 24. You can go back to it and read that story later. 2 Samuel 24, 24. But just this one verse, you know, the king, this king has come to David and he says, listen, I'll give you oxen. I'll give you all these things so that you can use them. You can sacrifice them to the Lord and make a burnt offering to Him and you can be in good right standing with your God. And I love David's response here. David says, but the king said, talking about David, he said, no. He said, but I will buy it from you for a price. He says, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. I love that verse so much. Because it's so much of what God's called us to. David says, he says, listen, I'm not going to offer something to the Lord that hasn't been sacrificed for me. And so any of our giving, true, godly, gospel-driven giving, is going to cost us something. It's going to cost us our pride. It may cost us some time. It may cost us a a meal or a cup of coffee that week. When I say meal, I'm not saying don't eat. But I'm saying it may cost us our McDonald's or our Popeyes. That extra that we would do. Maybe we do uh, peanut butter and jelly that night. It's going to cost us some sense of comfort. Because that's the only place where true giving lies is in sacrifice. And we see that in the context of even our relationships. I keep coming back to that because I, I, I just believe that it's, there's such a visible giving uh, dynamic in a relationship with with our kids or our spouses. Because listen, a lot of times all we want from each other is to know that we're truly giving of our time. Right? We, we want to see that it's costing us something of ourselves. We're letting ourselves go in a sense to embrace that idea of giving to each other. Adrian Rogers said this, he said, God doesn't need us to give Him our money. He owns everything. He says tithing is God's way to grow Christians. You know, and and, and when we talk about this idea of giving, giving to the church, giving to people around us, giving of our time to service within the church or within our, our community, this shapes our family. You know, and so when we talk about shaping our family, the thing we have to know, a lot of times we're keepers, we're stores because we want to be comfortable, because we want to have stuff, because we want to have time to do what we want. We want to store up all these things and we even convince ourselves for our kids. Our kids deserve this. My kids want this. My kids need this. Listen, our kids don't need stuff. Our kids need Jesus. And so if we're shaping our life, we're shaping our giving of our time, of our talents, of our resources around anything, let's shape it around giving our families Jesus because that's what they need. Listen, I love that God gives us opportunities to do things. I love that our God gives us opportunities and resources to be able to give our kids opportunities to do things outside of school and extracurriculars and all these things that cost us and do. And we try to dress them and provide for them all these things. But ultimately, all those things will fade away. I could could do all the travel ball and all the private school and all the clothes and and the best vehicles and all these things that we want to do. But ultimately, if I have not given in a way that has led my children to Jesus, I have not done anything right. We can be, and, and even Solomon, the wealthiest, wisest person in the inter- that ever existed, said, "Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Nothing's new under the sun. Nothing separate from God and what He has given is of any value. There is no value in anything separate from God." Does it mean that we just sell all that we have? God has not necessarily called us to do that. Sell all we have, give it away, even though He calls the people to that. But I believe it was because He was challenging the prideful attitude to keep what they had. Because they had elevated what they had above who God was. He had, ele- they had elevated what God had what God had given them, the creation over the Creator. And that's where we begin to fall short. That's when we begin to be closed-hand receivers. Is when we begin to elevate what we have above who God is and what He's called us to do. Too many times, we're too willing to hold on to what we have at the expense of our relationship with God, at the expense of our relationship with our families, at the expense of, 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 of what God is doing in our lives. Because then Paul would say in Philippians 4.11, one of my favorite verses within that chapter, says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. How amazing is godly contentment? To live within our means in a way that we're not driven by what we want or have, but we're enjoying what we have, but being driven by what God has given us and what He's called us to do in giving of our time, of our talents, resources. Because I love what what this woman shows us here. Is that she wasn't saying, when I have more, I'll give. She wasn't saying, when I have more, I'll give. She had very little. And she went and she gave She gave to an establishment that may or may not have even treated her often great. But she gave. And so for me, what that tells me is that our faithful giving starts with our yes, not our maybe later. It starts with our yes. You know? The second thing is this. The giving without stipulations of return. That we give without stipulations of return. I love in Luke 14, 13-14, when Jesus is teaching His disciples, He says, But when you give a feast, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Church, we miss the heart of biblical giving if we expect something in return by our giving. And that's anything. I mean, if we expect to feel more comfortable, to feel better in light of our giving of our time, of our talents, or our resources, if we expect anything in return, we have missed the heart of giving altogether. God has called us to be givers, not with the expectation of reception, but just for the giving. Acts 20, verse 35, it says, "In all things I have shown you, that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of Jesus, how He Himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And then the third and last thing we'll finish up this morning is that we would have giving with the expectations of growth. Giving with the expectations of growth, Job, I believe is different than giving without stipulations of return. But when we think of giving with the expectations of growth, we're thinking of giving ourselves for personal growth, for familial growth, for spiritual growth. 2 Corinthians nine eleven. You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Growth, production of worship, God is providing for us to do. 2 Corinthians 9:10, he says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for the sowing and the increase, the harvest of your righteousness. God will supply, God will multiply, God will increase. Proverbs 19.17 Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay from his deed. For his deed. Church, with giving, we can expect growth. Spiritual growth. Familial growth. Personal growth. I'm not counting out monetary growth, but that's not what we pursue because that's going with the expectation of some monetary earthly return. That we would be giving. Giving people. So, as we wrap up this morning, I pray that these ideas would kind of stick with us. That giving is a Christian's response to grace. And that it's not the amount we give, but the faith to give and the belief that God will use it. The belief that God will use it. That we would be this. That we would be open-handed. We would have open-handed action with harvest expectations of spiritual growth and kingdom transformation. Open-handed givers. Open-handed givers. And I always like to try to make this a little, little practical before we wrap up. The very last thing. I know I've said we're wrapping up a couple times. but I just want us to focus on maybe as we kind of move into a time of prayer and acknowledgement of, of what God has and what He's done and what He can do through our giving of our time and talent resources. What are three obstacles to our giving? Let's just face them, acknowledge them. Three obstacles. Obstacles to our giving. The first one is that we don't see the point in giving to the church, giving to others. You know, and and I've I've even thought within myself and, and I've lived this life that we can convince ourselves of a lot of reasons not to give. Maybe even argue it's not a biblical mandate that God has given us. But like we've talked about today, I don't think we can argue that there's not a thread of giving present throughout all the Bible. And that's specifically for the church, for us, that we can enter into this space that the church should be. If the church is functioning to the capacity that God has taught us to, the church should be a hub where finances come in for the sake of giving, for the sake of going out, for the sake of being helpful to the community and the people around us. I pray that we would always be that church, and that is the desire that we have to be as a church, is to be a church that is a giving church. The second thing is this, that maybe you're navigating a difficult financial season. And for us, like we said, if we've convinced ourselves that there's a specific amount that we have to get to at 10% before we can give comfortably, then maybe we need to adjust that. Start somewhere. Begin to work through faith. But not only that, also maybe evaluating and, and developing within ourselves rhythms of healthy spending. Because what healthy spending does for us is it creates opportunities for giving. When we you know, God has called us to be diligent with our finances. God has called us to be mindful of how we spend, to be givers. The more diligent we are, the mindful we are about how we spend, it allows opportunities for us to give. You know, and for us as Christians, and the way that we should be modeling our lives is that we don't mold our giving around our lifestyle, but we mold our lifestyle around our giving. That, that is our priority. And how we give and how we do that process and that the way we spend creates opportunities for us to give, to give to the church, to feel the freedom to give to those around us that you have in need, or that you know that have needs. And then the third thing, and we'll be done, is that we don't see the good being done. Now, and like I said, we desire to be a church of givers, serving, providing where we can. You know, we want buildings, we want a place, and, and for people to run the show in those things, but not at the expense of active ministry. Not at the expense of doing and giving away what God has given to us. You know, even today, even this morning, you're going to have an opportunity, not here, but have, have an opportunity to participate in something. On your way out, I'm going to have a couple guys giving out a piece of paper that's going to have some needs of a family here locally who's home burned down. And that we have an opportunity to either give financially or to purchase some things to give or get a gift card, whatever that looks like, to step into that giving, to be a people of action, to be a people of giving. There are those opportunities all around us. You know, and so this morning, like I said, when you leave, you'll have an opportunity to put that into action. As we give. You know, and church, like I said, it's not the amount, but it's the faith to give and the belief that God will use it. And I pray that as we navigate that space, as we navigate that spiritual discipline, I pray that through it as you leave here, that we will see the value of giving giving to the local church, giving to people in need, helping people around us with what God has given us. Maybe even not out of abundance, but maybe even out of our poverty, out of our need, that we help fill needs even when we have needs. Because God can surely do that in our lives. Church, can we bow our heads this morning?